Jacks podcast. I am Chris Jackson, joined here by Gregory Moreland soon. We've got a very special guest. I'll let him introduce himself a little bit from the NFL time in the league recently with the New York Jets, Detroit Lions from the Bay Area itself, played high school out here. Let's let this man introduce himself right now to the crowd. Yeah, uh, Leo Kolomitangi, um, originally from East Palo Alto, California. Uh, I attended high school at Sacred Heart Prep uh, there in Atherton. Uh, from there, I uh, attended college at the University of Hawaii, um, where I uh, completed my career there, ended up with the Detroit Lions for three years, finished up my uh, first year with the Jets, um, not this last season, but the season prior. Um, I'm actually coming off of an opt-out season for uh, due to COVID-related reasons, and um, today on the podcast, I think we're going to discuss for the most part um, what I've been up to during that time, and uh, just introducing what we're doing here to to you folks here in my original home in the Bay Area. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll just start off with that too. Just kind of go through the showcase that you're doing on Sunday and, and what you've been doing. Yeah, so uh, the the showcase we're hosting on Sunday, March 21st, is called the uh, Arrival uh, Lineman Camp, uh, which is open to uh, O linemen, D linemen, tight ends, and linebackers um, for the ages within ninth grade through uh, junior college. And really, what we're doing. Uh, is just trying to provide a, a genuine and authentic opportunity for the kids to gain exposure. Um, I think that that E-word exposure gets thrown around loosely nowadays. I think everyone's boasting their ability to, you know, provide exposure and uh, very few people, very few outlets actually uh, follow up on that promise. So uh, the program that my brother and I started, uh, which is called KO Bros, um, KO is actually an abbreviation for our last name, uh, Kolo Matangi. Um, and then I think it's pretty fitting regarding the position groups we we uh, focus on. Um, uh, we, we basically, uh, during the pandemic, provided an alternative for club football. Um, kind of just, you know, ending this there. Uh, we weren't believers in club football. Um, I wasn't a big fan regarding uh, the lack thereof, background checks and credibility regarding who's actually coaching club football, uh, the schemes and the kind of football uh, our youth uh, was being exposed to. So as an alternative, um, my brother and I actually considered and started uh, a program that hosts and provides the direct opposite of what club football is. So club football, like many of your viewers would know, um, host, they host five game seasons um, for anywhere between, you know, $700 and $1,200 a season. And what we've done for the last five years is basically, or five years, five months, is uh, provide services, um, training services, field work sessions, host camps, and now we're actually launching our recruiting services uh, completely for free. And uh, again, just trying to provide the extreme opposite of what's out there right now. And so um, beyond any of that, uh, we are here now and we're expanding from SoCal over to NoCal, where we're originally from. And we're pretty excited for what's to come this weekend uh, with, our, with our The Arrival Showcase. And what led you into wanting to originally work with kids and mentor and train some kids? What made you want to get into this venture? Yeah, well, actually, we've, I've done it pretty often throughout my career, even, you know, during college. Um, and beyond that, it was just trying to find uh, a way to provide value for the communities, for the local community that I was in. Um, during the pandemic, you know, I think most would actually watch this podcast and think, wow, how hypocritical is that? I, I opted out of, of um, the season due to COVID-related reasons, and then four or five months in, I'm hosting, you know, full, full-blown full training services for the youth. Um, 
the truth is uh, football changed my life. Uh, it provided me a platform, it provided me a lifestyle that I otherwise, if any of you are familiar with these Palo Alto, I otherwise wouldn't have access to. Um, and so uh, when I saw what was going on and how these athletes, youth athletes in my area were being exploited, exploited, I decided to do something about it. And so uh, that, you know, with that came the birth of KO Bros. Um, and we started out with, you know, four kids at a local park um, uh, hosting uh, fieldwork sessions. And that turned into 160 kids the next four months. Um, and then us jumping into the camp realm and hosting events. And I think we arguably host one of the best uh, camps uh, at least Lyman camps for sure um, in the nation and uh, the Bay Area will be the ones to judge that uh, coming coming here this weekend. And speaking of East Palo Alto where you're from I don't think a lot of people understand the amount of talent that comes out of the city even just recently they've had kids go on to play at Oregon State NFL they just had a five-star receiver now at Oregon a four-star sophomore a three-star receiver with big offers just from your experience growing up in East Palo Alto may be working with kids there as well. Why do you think football is so great in East Palo Alto and why there's so much talent coming out of that city every single year? I think like any other sport, you know, with, uh, I think it's all related to the class uh, structure, the economical uh, class that a lot of these kids fall into. Um, usually what you find is, you know, the lower in, in, in economical class a certain area is, um, the higher the chances are of more talented kids being in that area. Um, that's not always the case, but that's definitely the case for East Palo Alto. Um, you kind of referenced uh, the recent successes that uh, like a school like Menlo Atherton would have, right? Um, a lot of people don't know this, but those those successes came from the rezoning of their school, right? East Palo Alto, before that time, all those kids were being shipped out to uh, Carmon High School in San Carlos. Um, and then the rezoning happened and all the East Palo Alto kids ended up at MA under a great coach by the name of Adir. Coach Adir, uh, I don't want to butcher his last name. I, I believe it's Coach Ravapati or something. But um, and then they went on to go to like two state uh, uh, championships, and I think they won one of them or something. I could have been wrong about that, but um, my my younger cousin, who I consider like a little brother, was actually a part of that team. Um, linebacker Daniel Hamuli, uh, who went on to play. He's he's currently at UW, um, and so kind of just the background and the backstory behind you know the smaller inner cities of the Bay Area. Um, I think those who are, uh, you know, at least familiar with the Bay Area understand like, hey, those little pockets, those little impoverished areas are where a lot of the talent tends to come from when it comes to sports. And uh, East Palo Alto is definitely a candidate for that. And then I want to go into your giving type of attitude that you come from. Obviously, you said that this camp on Sunday is free. Where does that attitude come from and why do you do what you do? Yeah. Um, now, so before we actually started KO Bros, I actually went to every single program here in SoCal to kind of understand before I actually decided to start my own uh, uh, brand. It, I was actually more interested in helping someone else, right, that had already gone through the trials and tribulations of getting something off the floor, um, providing support and finding a way to, you know, partner with someone and, you know, do good in the community. Uh, unfortunately, what I found out was that most programs are either um, overpriced um, or undervalued. Uh, beyond that was just um, the overall quality and services or the quality of personnel, like the actual trainers were just not credible. Like I would say 90% of trainers here in SoCal, um, and I'm going to do my market research on the Bay Area, uh, haven't even played college football. And yet they're here uh, guiding our youth, you know. Um, I think that's super, you know, 
to each his own, but I just don't understand how you could help someone reach a level if you haven't reached it before, you know, like what kind of guidance are you providing? So the way we decided to host our events was, look, we're going to mimic what we experience at the highest levels possible. And then to, pr to prove a point to the local communities, we're going to do it completely for free for the first couple of months so that these kids um, understand and get exposed to the truth at the very least. Hey, you can stay with this or not. But beyond going to see the truth, you're going to be able to go to those other programs and you're going to know, hey, this is subpar compared to what they're offering over there. Um, so even when we do begin to charge kids, I do want to just throw it out there, you know, and be very transparent. That day will come. And when it does, I can promise the Bay Area, it'll be half of what anybody else is offering. Um, we're doing that purposely. We're fundraising on the back end to make that possible. Beyond that is our camps that are coming up. For example, on the March 21st, it's for, for, for one, it's a three-hour camp. Um, that's already almost double what most camps are. Um, it's one hour of individuals. So you get one hour of coaching by D1 and NFL players. And then beyond that is two hours of competition. Within that competition period, we're, we're filming every single rep. I have one of the best media companies coming out uh, with sky cameras, shooting down on the guys, filming every rep. We're sharing it on our huddle account. Uh, we're one of the very few training programs, like O-line, D-line training programs that actually owns a huddle account. Uh, we share every single athlete's clips. So if you're looking to get recruited and, you know, update your, your coaches on how you're doing and your improvements, we provide that platform for you totally for free. Um, and then following that, uh, we have rewards where this camp, we're raffling off a PS5 and we're feeding all the kids afterwards. I mean, talk about unmatched quality, right? And services. I don't think anybody in the Bay Area has ever done it. One and two, um, I don't think any of the pro current programs that exist can match that. Um, one, because they've never actually been at the highest levels. Uh, and then beyond that is two, um, I don't think they're actually in it for the kids. I think they're in it for, uh, you know, profits and gains. And um, I think it shows in their quality of service and how they host their events. And uh, beyond that, it's just, we're looking to just, again, stress to the families that we have impact with, the kids that we, you know, have the opportunity to work with that, hey, we are the standard and whether or not you come with us is not our, you know, that's not our goal. It's, it's not our go-to market uh, uh, um, focus. It's more so I want you as you move forward in your athletic journey to know the truth. And so the overarching theme is just showing these kids what's out there, what you deserve and uh, what you have access to considering decisions you make, the, the certain decisions you make moving forward. And then what went into making this showcase happen on Sunday? What are some things, details you guys had to really pinpoint to make this happen? And also maybe shout out some people you know that helped you out. Who are some people that help to make this thing a reality on Sunday to bring to the Bay Area? Absolutely. The, 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 I would say the one person that spearheaded this entire movement, this entire expansion, because we're just based out of SoCal currently, was the uh, owner and founder of NorCal Scouting in Christine Miller. Um, I actually reached out to her. Uh, I did my market research regarding the online and D-line programs in the Bay Area. Um, she's the only one that we vetted and figured was, uh, you know, up to par regarding, you know, providing NFO services. I mean, the truth is every single person on my staff is a current pro or someone who was literally the best that you won. You know, I can't just offer that to just any out there. Right. So I went through and vetted every single program out there. You name one. I checked, I took a look. Uh, we filed background, federal background checks on everyone. What came back was, you know, the best hands down was Christine Miller and NorCal scouting. And uh, we, we connected. I let her know what we, what we were doing. She didn't believe it. Um, I think hearing this, I think a lot of people would call bullshit and so what we did was I had her come out to one of our last camps. Um, it, it was the series part three here in SoCal. Uh, and she was blown off her feet. 
Um, she couldn't believe we were actually pulling it off and she couldn't believe that was our third camp um, considering we're only, you know, we're only founded in, in service for about five months now. So um, right after that camp, we immediately started planning this event we have here on the 21st. And um, I can't, I can't stress enough how impactful that woman is in the, in the communities of the Bay area. Um, I've watched it with my own eyes, 300 kids text her in lifetime and say, Hey, Christine, uh, Hey, coach Miller. Um, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to attend this camp, you know, and seeing anything like it. I've never seen anyone have more impact than her, um, especially in the communities that I'm from. So that hit home a little bit. Uh, but more so than that, it was just reassuring that, Hey, considering what we're trying to do, considering the type of impact we're, we're hoping to have on the communities, um, we did indeed partner with the right person. Um, and quite honestly, uh, we're just grateful and uh, we're very, very, um, you know, just in tune with what she's about, what she's looking to do, how we're willing to expand and provide these opportunities for the kids. And we couldn't be any happier with where we are right now. And Beyond that, it's just putting our head down and understanding there's a lot more work to get done, you know, and um, this is only the beginning and we look forward to what's to come. And, you know, March 21st is just our hello, right? It's just our, hey, here's here's our name. Moving forward, I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of speed months we have to get over um, and a lot of work that Christina and I and KO Bros um, look to conquer moving forward. And I can totally agree with Christine. We've been able to work with her a couple times on a couple different things and you got to meet her kid Dom, Dominic Childress um, agree with everything you said she's a great person and I'm excited that you guys are working together but you mentioned a couple times your staff and your coaches that you have do you want to kind of just go through and introduce the coaches that you do have on staff that's coming out there on March 21st yeah so um, the NFL players that I have coming out are um, Ashawn Robinson uh, nose tackle out of the LA Rams um, we have Jamil Demby uh, left guard out of the LA Rams. We have Alex Barrett, D-end out of the 49ers. Um, my brother and co-founder, uh, Matthew Kulamatangi, a former uh, uh, Oakland Raider, that was before their Las Vegas. Um, and he's currently in the CFL. He's finishing up his third year. Um, and then beyond that, I have a couple D1 coaches, uh, Coach Unga, um, who's currently a tight ends coach over at one of the high schools here locally in SoCal. Um, and then I have Coach Losi. Um, Hanatelli Lostu was actually the number one ranked guard in the nation coming out of junior college from uh, the College of San Mateo. Um, he'll be coming out and hosting and helping our uh, offensive linemen and a, and a plethora of other names. Uh, but there's just those, the name of a few. Just, I mean, I think right off the bat, you understand uh, this isn't just your typical camp where somebody put on a whistle and decided I'm going to coach and lead these kids today, right? Um, no matter what, no matter who and what you're encountering at this camp, you're going to be advised and guided by people who are who have competed and are currently competing at the highest level possible. So um, for me, that was super important. That was like, the, that was probably the number one thing we went after in creating this program was um, just helping us set ourselves apart by saying, Hey, for these families, for these parents, I want you to understand that when your kid spends four hours with us, it's not just with some stranger who you don't know anything about. You can Wikipedia and Google these people. They're accredited. Uh, they're probably the best in this area, considering what we have access to. And they're looking to help your kid. And currently it's for free. And we've been doing this for five months and, you know, it's, but we've, we've been a big blessing and we've been blessed. I think a lot of the families are, you know, some of the feedback we get is, you know, we don't understand how much of a blessing we are to, the, to these families. I would argue that they don't understand how much of a blessing they are to us. Um, these kids, the tenacity, the dedication, it's almost, you know, we couldn't, sometimes we can't fathom how, how dedicated these kids are to becoming who we are now. 
and and for us it's becoming better you know being better than us and you know overlapping our careers and you know having impact amongst their families and their communities and we just can't wait for the for what the future holds and you've made it to the league your brothers made it pro both have played at the highest level you played in college you're around a lot of guys obviously every day that are playing in the nfl being professional athletes what goes into making it that far into being a professional athlete and to making it to the next level and what's your advice to kids on just what they have to do and what it takes to get themselves out there and maybe even make it to the highest level of the game yeah i would say you know there's a million youtube videos you can watch regarding like advice and the i guess the uh, voicemail responses you would get regarding your training regimens your diets um your your guidance your environments your situations that you put yourself in um what you put on film and, and how you perform. I would say the number one variable though is your mindset. Um, and I, I would argue that a lot of that comes from where I come from um, regarding, you know, the disadvantages uh, I was at. Um, but more than that uh, is, you know, hey, if you listen to the statistics and you read up on how many people make it to the NFL and how many people become a pro at their, at their craft, um, you're going to be discouraged, right? No one's going to tell you you're going to do it. Right. And even if you have supporters who say, hey, I believe in you, the truth is in the back of their minds, they don't. Right. The only person that can get you there, the only person that will see, way, see your way through that journey is yourself. You need to be able to lock in and, and believe it more than anyone. You need to be crazy about it. People need to think people need to laugh at you. People need to you know, look at you and say, who are you to think you're even capable of doing that? You know, it needs to be those experiences that you go through that help you accomplish what you know, what, where, what, and where you're at, you know, you bring up guys like JJ Watt and Aaron Donald, and, you know, you're looking at two star, three star guys who uh, were playing different positions, you know, when they went into college and now they're the best of the best, right? Like there's, it's unquestionable. It's, you know, no one even questions how great they are and how much of an impact they've had on the sport. And uh, it's stories like that, that kind of validate that point, right? Like they had to lock in and believe in it in themselves more than anyone else. And, uh, what they've accomplished so far and what they've done for football is a testament to, you know, who they are as people, um, who they are mentally, spiritually. And, uh, you know, I hope a lot of these, you know, kids and the youth that we have impact on take, you know, follow suit and, and take note of that, you know, so. And now I want to get into your story a little bit. Grew up in EPA, East Palo Alto. You tend to take your heart prep in Atherton. Go through Sacred Heart Prep and playing ball there, then also your recruiting process. Yeah. So um, over at Sacred Heart Prep, um, and let me tell you, you know, Sacred Heart was probably one of the greatest things that ever happened to me in my life. Um, what Sacred Heart is as a school and an organization and institution um, is direct opposite of what East Palo Alto is as a community. And being exposed to that early on had a huge effect on my success, um, on my journey moving forward and my ability to kind of maneuver through the life decisions that I had to make, right? Um, beyond that was, you know, when you think Sacred Heart Prep, everyone says, you mean cathedral? You know, like no one's really thinking about their football program, right? And so, especially when I was going there, you know, they've had some previous success, some recent su success, but that was, you know, after me. So uh, I want to go ahead and say that I, I'm pretty, like I would say I'm 90% chance uh, either uh, the first scholarship athlete ever out of that school or definitely the first football scholarship athlete ever out of that school. Um, now, with that being the case, um, as you can, as you can probably imagine, you know, the hopes were very low regarding, you know, having a football scholarship and having a standout career and dominating the league and things like that regarding uh, where we, what divisions we played in and my 
high school football career. Um, very, very few people thought I was actually going to go to school uh, for free and, and be able to attend college on an athletic scholarship. And when it actually happened, um, I think a lot of people were shocked. I think it, it, it sent shockwaves through one, my neighborhood, and two, Sacred Heart. Um, and in a good way, you know, I think, I hope really um, it inspired other athletes to, you know, take heed and, you know, take control of your own journey and accomplish what you think you can accomplish. Um, and so with that being the case, you know, being at a huge disadvantage playing for Sacred Heart, um, although we were pretty successful, it's just not a football school and it's not a football program that a lot of coaches recruit from. Uh, ended up going to the University of Hawaii, um, played there, actually uh, didn't actually play a, a full season until my last year at the University of Hawaii, until my redshirt senior year. So if you're an athlete, at least a knowledgeable and informed athlete, uh, you would hear this journey and be like, dude, this dude shouldn't be in the NFL. Like, how is this happening, right? Uh, I was a jumbo tight end, you know, most of my career leading up to my junior and senior years. My junior year, I, re I rotated in at guard and tackle. Um, and really, I was just still trying to learn the game. Uh, my, my redshirt senior year came around and uh, I was sat down by our head coach at the time, Nick Rolovich, and he literally looked at me and said, dude, you need to take a hold of this team. You need to lead this team. I don't care what you have to do. I don't know what you have to do over this spring, but you need to come back and understand that this is your team. Um, that kind of set the tone for me that offseason. Uh, came back, uh, our first game against uh, Cal at Australia, or in Australia. Um, I ended up playing center that game, and I think I practiced for two days at center ever in my career. Uh, and now I play center in the NFL, right? Um, coming out of the University of Hawaii, I was pretty highly ranked considering uh, the lack of playing time I had in college. Um, I went to an all-star game, went to an NFLPA game, uh, ended up being co-captain uh, co of the team. So I did well for myself ending my career, uh, my college career. But more so than that, I just needed to take advantage. You know, any kid listening to this, no matter what your situation is, you just need to take advantage of the windows you're given right? That time you're given, no matter how much or how least or how less of it it is, you just need to take advantage of it and hopefully good things will come. Uh, now I'm going on my fourth year in the NFL. It would have been my fifth, but I opted out. So it's just one of those things um, where, you know, uh, my career isn't one of those fairy tale careers. It's actually super spotty. Um, and I take that as an inspiration for, for our youth, you know. Um, one of my neighbors growing up in East Palto is uh, Vita Vea or was Vita Vea. And I think a lot of people, when they think of an NFL player, think of his career, right? An amazing standout player in the Pac-12, drafted in the first round. Now he's a Super Bowl ring holder. Um, just an amazing person. Nobody more deserving what, he was, what, what he's accomplished. But for our youth, I want to stress, you know, that's not the only journey, you know? And if, and if your journey isn't as uh, fairytale as that, and I'm sure Vita will get on this podcast and tell you, you know, that wasn't a fairy tale either. Um, for these athletes out there, you know, I hope you take my journey as an inspiration, you know, no matter what tough times or rough patches you're going through, um, as long as your mindset is there and as long as you believe good things will happen. So, And you look at the percentages, only a small percentage of high school athletes even make it to college, right? Then an even smaller percentage of college athletes then make it to the pros and make it to the highest level of the game. How did you get to that point and have you been able to stick in the NFL for four to five years when the average life expectancy for a lot of pros in most sports is even shorter than that, right? And were there any doubts in your career, in your life, that maybe you couldn't make it that far? And I know it's a lot kind of in one, but how did you get to that point and make it through? Yeah. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, going to high school at Sigurd Hart, really, I mean, honestly, and if you ask any of my teammates or when you guys come to the camp and you guys talk to my other 
uh, NFL staff members, um, they'll tell you, you know, my mindset is so much different from most NFL players. Um, Sigurd Hart had prepared me to understand uh, the options that life provides you, right? Um, so I went through college, you know, with plan A, B, and C, right? Like, hey, plan A is be an all-star, be an all-American, uh, be the best college player that ever walked, you know, University of Hawaii. Um, and plan B was uh, set myself up uh, uh, with a business degree, finish school, um, and if football doesn't work out, hopefully I've built enough relationships to have, you know, that go uh, once I'm out of college. Uh, and then plan C was, uh, even beyond this, I'm going to do a bunch of community service so that if it, if everything fails, I can go back home and start, you know, helping with local nonprofits and community service and community outreach and things like that. Um, and I was just blessed. You know, I came out of college, crazy kind of story and ended up in the NFL. But even while I was in the NFL, we did a bunch of community outreach stuff. Um, uh, we, we, I continued to, you know, um, take a hold and uh, pursue my entrepreneurial uh, uh, goals and um, and doing if you if you've looked me up I think you'll see more so my entrepreneurial goals and uh, and my community service uh, uh, events rather than my actual career because there's much more of that than any of the accolades regarding my career right so um, you know I would say it all came down to two factors you know the high school I went to Sacred Heart Prep you know they they prepare you for real life there um, beyond the academics um, they really help you understand and hone in on your relationship building skills and then your ability to you know, keep contact with people. And um, no matter where you go in your career, that alumni base is something super powerful, you know, and there are a couple of schools in the Bay area that offer you that opportunity. Um, Sacred Heart Prep is definitely one of those. And then the second uh, proponent was definitely uh, the nonprofit organization that I was associated with while I was in high school. Um, that nonprofit is the Limo Foundation. Um, they're based out of Redwood City, California. Um, and uh, they've basically taken in my younger brother and I, uh, part provided us training services for free, um, provided us uh, uh, unaccounted meals throughout the day, uh, all the way throughout our junior and senior years of high school. Um, and then beyond that was just the overall guidance and mentorship that uh, I lacked in my household and my community, you know, of East Palo Alto. Um, they were there to account for that and accommodate that. So, um, and considering what I've just said about what they provided us throughout our high school career, it sounds a lot like our camps, right? Um, so I would say it's had a huge influence on who we are, what we do for the communities now. And um, those two organizations, I mean, what they've done for me and my younger brother and what they continue, what they continue to do and accomplish in the communities is just second to none. So um, I would say just with my career, those two uh, events in my life definitely had a huge influence over where I am now. Uh, regarding like the doubts I've had in my careers, uh, 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 you know, I would say uh, I think doubts are uh, ongoing, you know, uh, considering what athletes want to accomplish on a daily basis. You know, hey, uh, you want to make it to the NFL. As soon as you make it to the NFL, you want to be a starter. As soon as you're a starter, you want to become an all pro. As soon as you're an all pro, you want to be a Hall of Famer. Right. It's 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 the ongoing uh, burn and competitiveness to, you know, become the best and be the best version of yourself i think with that comes the doubts right and quite frankly if the doubts don't drive you i think you're in the wrong profession right because uh, every day you know there's a there's a new monster that gets drafted right every day there's a a new creature that gets introduced to your position room and um you've ha you have to have it ingrained in you to compete 
you have to have it ingrained in you to find an advantage, find an edge and execute. And um, with that, you know, I think a lot of that is driven by doubt. So um, yeah, there were a lot of moments in my career where I had to sit down and be honest with myself. Like, Hey, is this something that I, I can see myself through? Is this something in my journey that I think I'll overcome or is this it? You know, uh, for example, the recent opt out that I took, um, I, I tried to keep it as private as possible. I couldn't announce it then because we were still in our first trimester, but my wife and I decided to opt out because my wife was pregnant with number two and we had just had uh, our first kid literally, you know, 10 months prior to that. So we now have two under two. She successfully and healthily gave, given birth to our second kid, my first son. And we're, we're super grateful for that. But with that decision came a lot of doubt, you know, like, is this going to affect my career in a huge way? Uh, will this say a lot about who I am as an athlete? Will organizations actually understand where I'm coming from regarding my family situation uh, and COVID, you know, and, and things like that. So, uh, and, you know, doubts are ongoing and I think it's everlasting. And uh, for the athletes who really set themselves apart, I think they use it as a uh, motivating mechanism, you know, so. And now I want to go into the process of finding your first NFL team, which was the Detroit Lions. Yeah. And what was that moment like when you first got to sign with the Lions? Yeah. Um, the offensive line coach at the time, who's had a huge impact on my life, uh, Coach Ron Prince, um, he actually hosted my pro day uh, for me um, uh, at the University of Hawaii. Uh, our pro day was at Azusa Pacific um, here in SoCal. And so I had already built a personal relationship with him. Beyond that, throughout the whole draft process, you know, we were in contact with a bunch of teams. But uh, it was a very surface level conversations and the conversations I was having with Coach Prince were more so uh, along the lines of what we're going to do once I get there. Uh, it was very apparent throughout my draft process that I was looked at and scouted as a developmental player. Um, and so I had to really take hold of that identity and figure out what I was going to do to kind of provide value once I got to those teams. Draft day came around. Um, and I watched every single round go by. I watched a bunch of names get called. I watched a bunch of my teammates who I played at the All-Star game with, uh, whose captain I was over them, uh, get drafted, you know. I watched all these things happen, um, and that's just the way the, the, the marbles fell for me. Um, once I ended up uh, having to choose between my undrafted uh, offered teams, um, I immediately went with the team that I was most, most familiar with. I really went with the person that I was most familiar with in Coach Ron Prince. Um, my first year uh, in Detroit was definitely an eye-opener. Um, uh, we had Coach Jim Caldwell. Uh, we went 9-7, and seven, uh, and he got fired, you know. And uh, I was just kind of looking around, you know, coming from the University of Hawaii and barely winning any games, uh, I was just kind of looking around like, that's the NFL for you. You go 9-7, and seven, uh, you don't make the playoffs because of the, everyone else's records, and all of a sudden you're fired, you know. And uh, immediately that set the tone for me regarding, you know, it, it isn't, you know, so much, it, you know, obviously it matters who you are as a person, uh, what you, what value you bring to the team, but overall this business is a production oriented business, right? Um, it's not personal. It's just a matter of, Hey, we're all here for one goal and one goal only, and that's to make it to the Super Bowl. And that was my first taste of it. So, um, you know, finding Detroit, definitely a personal decision after my experiences with Ron Prince and then, you know, going through, uh, my career, you know, just a lot of eye-opening events regarding, you know, uh, the success or the lack thereof with uh, current organizations. 
regime changes and new coaching hires and culture culture building and whatnot. So um, definitely, definitely, um, I would say a pretty theatrical and dramatic experience going through uh, my introductory stages in the NFL. And what led you to the New York Jets and how's your experience been with that organization? Yeah, so my third year preseason, fourth game of the preseason, um, I actually got injured with the Detroit Lions and uh, we decided to um, agree in an injury settlement. And so I was out for about uh, seven weeks. Uh, and in that seven weeks, my um, agent was just discovering and figuring out the best opportunities for me out there. Uh, I was very blessed to have a bunch of opportunities and a lot of teams reach out. Um, a lot of those teams, though, were just, you know, hoping for me to come out a little earlier than I could have. Um, there was no way I could have come back. You know, I, I really pushed it coming back in seven weeks. So we honestly, I think back on it, my agent talks about it all the time. You know, we probably should have went longer, but beyond that was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't stand not playing anymore and tuning on the TV and watching all my buddies go out there and, and do very well for themselves. And um, the itch was just so bad that as soon as the seven weeks was up, we decided to sign with whatever team was offering at that point. We did a workout with the Jets. We came back and discussed what our options were and decided to return. Um, get, getting to the Jets was a pretty funny story. Um, it was a it was either a Tuesday or Wednesday, or it was a Wednesday practice. Uh, midway through the season, I think it's week eight, uh, we signed a practice squad deal. Um, and uh, I fly in and I land. I fly in and I land at 9 a.m. I'm practicing at 11 a.m. in full pads. Fresh off of seven weeks, not running can't do anything because it was a knee injury and all I've been doing at that point was just upper body and core work and uh, after seven weeks of just doing rehab I go right into full pads versus Stephen McLennan who's one of the longest tenured you know nose guards in the NFL you know and that's the NFL for you you know that that story I know it sounds pretty crazy you know with us kind of just telling it and listening but that's every day in the NFL you know no matter who you are no matter what the case is there's a Stephen McClendon out there, you know, kind of deal. So, um, you know, really, really great way to kind of start off my season coming off of injury. Uh, but beyond that was, uh, you know, just finding the Jets was, I thought, the great, the, the best opportunity for me at the time. And it turned out to be, you know, pretty well for me. I did one week on practice squad and was immediately activated after that and um, finished off the season with those guys. I opted out and unfortunately that coaching regime uh, was, was relieved. And so uh, we actually got the local heroes and Robert Saleh and his staff uh, from the 49ers to head over to New York. And so um, now it's just a matter of preparing, uh, doing what we can in the community, right, to have impact. But with this extended amount of time, uh, really hone in on our training, our off-season preparation, and uh, really hoping to make a great first impression with our new coaches over in New York. And now getting prepared for the season, like you said, a new coach. Have you been able to talk to the new coach yet? How is the offseason going so far? What are you doing to prepare for the new season? Yeah, uh, uh, Robert uh, Salah and uh, and my position coach reached out uh, immediately after the hires were made. I think they reached out to every single player on the team. Um, and that in and of itself is so per personable, you know. That's a great first impression for any organization to understand, hey, your position coach and your leader – your head coach uh, immediately reaches out and touches base with everyone. And uh, beyond that, it's just going to be a matter of understanding, you know, what, what our OTAs and offseason will look like due to COVID. Will it be virtual again? Will it not? And either way, being prepared to go in and have impact, you know. I know Robert Sala was just one of the hottest names on the market the last couple of years in the NFL. 
yeah. his assistant coach, right? From an outsider's perspective, maybe looking in, just going against him throughout your career, just kind of following along, maybe a little bit hearing from teammates, whatever it is, speaking with him a little bit. What do you think's gotten him to becoming a head coach and made him so successful as a coach in the NFL? Yeah, honestly, uh, from what I hear and what I'm gathering from all of the you know, minor research I'm doing, um, I think it's really the relationships he's built um, in the NFL and amongst the players that he's, that he's had the opportunity to have impact over. Um, I've, I, have a, I have a bunch of friends with the 49ers, and uh, they all speak you know, beyond highly of this guy. And um, beyond that is he actually, um, his D-line coach is actually Chris Kassurik, who was with us over in Detroit my first year. And so I actually understand their scheme a lot uh, more than most would expect. But beyond that, as I understand, you know, that attack defense, um, that get off the ball, smash mouth football, old school mentality is definitely something that he's going to be introducing in New York. And, uh, you know, me being on the offensive side, it's going to be, you know, right now, just prepare yourself to go in there and, and, and provide value and uh, combat those defenses. And um, with guys like Robert coming in who, you know, the league has super high uh, regard for. Uh, it's up to me to go in there and set an impression and, uh, you know, set the tone regarding who he identifies me as, right? As a player, as an individual, my value for the team. Um, and, uh, you know, right now it's just a matter of working to be able to do so efficiently. And now I think we want to get into some fun questions that we ask everyone on this podcast. The first one being, what is your favorite home-cooked meal? Home-cooked meal? You know, um, honestly, my favorite food in the world, I would say, and I, and I only have it at home really, is watermelon. Like, I love a great ripe watermelon. Cool. Um, but beyond that, regarding home-cooked meal, um, I'm super traditional. I'm super cultural. Um, you guys, I actually probably should bring you guys some at the camp. It's, it's, it's one of my cultural uh, dishes from my, from my culture. It's a Tongan dish. Uh, called Lou. Uh, I think, uh, I think for you guys to relate to it, I think it's some, it's like a combination of cream of spinach, uh, but obviously Polynesians throw a bunch of meat in it. So uh, just, just think of cream of spinach with either corned beef in it, uh, lamb, or, or, uh, uh, or, or some form of beef in it. Um, but consider, you know, put, put a bunch of cream of spinach with a bunch of meat into a, into a foil wrap and then uh, steam it for about three to four hours. And you can imagine how tender and how, uh, you know, just overall the flavors that, uh, you know, accumulate over the, that amount of that span of time. And, you know, that right there is probably my, my go-to without a doubt. Sounds pretty good. Definitely something we have not heard. Yeah. Um, all right. But it's kind of crazy how many different things, how many different home-cooked meals that we've been able to hear throughout the yeah. that we've had. And, and that's another new addition to the, to the group. Yeah, I definitely got to bring you guys some uh, on the 21st, so this coming Sunday. Yeah, I like that. I'm not, I was never really a big spinach guy growing up, but you had the meat in that and steam it for a few hours. I think that's where you sold me right there with that end point. Yeah, you know, in the Tongan tradition, it's not actually spinach. Um, it's, uh, I don't know if you've heard of a starch called taro. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's the taro leaf um, that they take, and, and that's, pretty, that's pretty much the Tongan alternative for spinach. Even... What about growing up? Who were some of your favorite athletes when you were growing up as a kid? Yeah, I'd say uh, definitely uh, athletes like Junior Seau. Uh, there's a rugby player by the name of Jonah Lomu. Um, and then there were just like those uh, savage creature beasts that you couldn't help but love, right? Like um, Warren Sapp, 
uh, uh, Randy Moss, you know, these are just like local hometown neighborhood favorites, right? I'm kind of naming household names right now. Uh, Michael Vick, right? Peyton Manning. Um, but uh, it was more so just, you know, their impact on the game that had me in awe, you know, it wasn't really just their accolades and their athletic ability. It was more like they took over the world through football, you know, like uh, they were full blown superstars. And that was something that just, you know, purely amazed me at the time. And now your favorite athletes right now, which might be a different way to answer it because you're among the athletes that are playing in the NFL, but some guys maybe that you've met or some guys that you haven't had a chance to meet, but really admire the way they play. Yeah. Um, you know, first and foremost, when I was in Detroit, uh, Matt Stafford was an impeccable leader. Um, he was an impeccable, he was an impeccable human being, him and his family, they're beautiful. Um, but just overall the, the standard that he set, um, the way he went out and performed on a daily basis, week in and week out. Um, I couldn't just, I, I couldn't help but just respect that man and admire him, you know, beyond words, you know, um, for him to be the first example of what leading uh, a group of men in the NFL uh, should be like, uh, for me, it was invaluable. Uh, beyond that, there are some upcoming talent that I'm super, uh, uh, super excited about guys like Justin Herbert. Um, uh, I always used to actually look up to uh, going back in time, uh, a current center. Um, his name is Alex Mack. Um, and I believe he's currently with the Falcons. And uh, he, he actually is a former Cal Bear. Um, but I remember going to one of the Cal games and in the warmups watching this guy hit the splits. And I couldn't believe what I was watching, you know, just this folder of a human being just all, all of a sudden doing ballerina-like movements, you know. Um, it kind of just It kind of just helped me understand what being a true athlete is like, you know? Um, so those, those, those three to name a few, you know, classic heroes like Alex Mack and Matt Stafford. And then there's the young guys like Justin Herbert, who, you know, I think bring a lot of excitement to the game. And uh, even Justin, I think he's a little underrated. I think a lot of people don't credit him for what he just accomplished and um, pretty excited for those guys like that. And then what about your favorite movie all time? And TV show of all time, and then maybe your favorite TV show that you watched during the pandemic. Yeah, movie all time movie. I would say uh, my favorite all time movie is probably. You know, it's pretty tough. There's so many. I would have to give it. I would have to say, um, I was a big, big fan of. Uh, are you guys like uh, horror guys or, or comedy movies? What kind of movies are you guys into? Or comedy. Oh, yeah. really? I'm super into the Marvel movies, so. Yeah, you know, I'm a big Adam Sandler fan. And as as kind of, uh, you know, shallow those movies have been recently with this whole Netflix deal, um, I couldn't, I was a huge, huge fan of Mr. Deeds um, uh, growing up. I think it was a classic regarding just like overall humor. Um, and then beyond that was um, some current uh, shows and, and you know, favorite shows of all time. I'm not a big TV guy, but... Growing up, I was a big, big uh, Dragon Ball Z uh, uh, fan. Uh, anime, really. Um, uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender. I mean, just, just classics, right? And then a current show, um, it's really, they're, they're really series, right? Like now the whole streaming world has changed the game regarding how people watch TV. Um, obviously, like uh, I used to binge The Office. Um, and then 
uh, I think that's like, I think if you're an offensive lineman and you don't watch the office, like you need to upgrade your Madden score or something and get, get on that. But um, beyond that is, uh, beyond the office is there's this uh, series, uh, man, it's almost slipping me, but quite recently, and maybe it's a little gothic here speaking towards the pandemic, I've gotten into like murder mysteries and Netflix, you know, their top 10, usually the, the latter five is like all murder mysteries and uh, people gone missing and cold cases and stuff like that. So that's definitely what I've been into recently. Um, but again, when I can not really watch much TV, but when I do try to try to stay on Netflix as, as much as possible. That's all the fun questions that we have for you. If there anything else that you want to add in terms of Sunday showcase and camp, uh, or anything to add in terms of your life story. Beyond that is, um, you know, for your viewers that are listening, um, you know, Sunday, March 21st, I hope is one of many events that we're able to host in the Bay area. Um, and really the overarching theme that we're hoping to, um, you know, push over to our, our viewers and the families that we have impact over is just truth and genuine and authentic opportunities. Um, what we currently do here at KO bros is first we help train and prepare the kids um, for improvements and their athletic journeys. Second is we actually provide uh, the platforms and camps and events for them to showcase their improvements. And then third, which we're about to announce next week, um, is the fact that we're NCAA approved uh, scouting and recruiting service. So we will be legally working through uh, D1 and other division uh, uh, schools and programs to help you know, provide kids exposure. Um, so with that, you know, we, we go ahead and claim and market the fact that we're the first full stack development program you know, specifically tailored for offensive and defensive linemen, overall linemen um, in football. Now, you know, regarding what parents and families are getting into now, um, I would suggest you come out, even if your kid isn't um, in the camp, I would suggest you come out and, and at least just, you know, take a look and experience what we provide for yourselves in general, um, because more so than ever, we're just hoping to provide families as much value as we can. Um, and then beyond that is, um, I can't thank platforms like yourself, West Coast Preps, enough. Um, for providing, you know, small programs and small businesses like ourselves, the opportunity to have impact uh, via your platforms. And, you know, I hope this is one of many times moving forward. Definitely. Yeah, we look forward to working with you here in the future, seeing your Sunday showcase. And thank you so much for coming on. We wish you nothing but continued success in the NFL with the New York Jets this season with your new era of football under Robert Sala there. Thanks again for coming on. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. Follow all of our work on social media, West Coast Preps underscore. We'll have a lot of content up there from Sunday Showcase and a lot of content up West Coast Preps. Not, not make a sound, sound. I'm gone. So long. I'm gone. So long. I'm gone. Yeah.